Welcome to Leadership, the Future, and Tea, featuring our special guests, hosted by Andy Davis and N. Moffitt, a podcast for people who are passionate about making a difference at work. Welcome, everybody, to Leadership, the Future, and Tea. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Um, ben, how are you doing? I am doing pretty wonderful today. Hey, good stuff. How are stuff. you guys? I'm fine. Ian, you? I'm doing good. I'm tip top and looking forward to this one. Yeah, Ben, we're delighted to have you on board. Uh, we've just been talking and just saying, look, it's a real pleasure to host you on this. We know that you're a, a podcast host yourself. You know that the the, uh, the pains and trials and tribulations of this. So uh, I hope that we do a reasonable job for yourself today, okay? Um what I'm going to do, Ben, is I just want to uh, tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, obviously, we've spoken, but I just want to uh, give everybody a bit of background. So, everybody, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, founder of Live For Yourself Consulting, is a Chicago-based leadership and empowerment coach, albeit that might now be Austin because he's just moved. He's a regional learning manager for YPO, national speaker, podcaster, author, consultant, mentor, teacher, and passionate about guiding others in finding, creating, and sustaining a career they love. Hey, Ben, that's a great intro, isn't it? Well, thank you. I, I, I had to really focus on getting that succinct because I tend to meander a lot. Uh, listen, you, I, I, I love it. You, you, you've nailed it, okay? You've got the meander word in, which was the challenge for today. And, uh, <laughs> and listen, that still remains a great intro, okay? Um, Ben, I've been all over your your websites. I've downloaded the ebook and everything else. And there's some great content in there for people. And when I was preparing your intro, I did think to myself, I need to add a bit more on here. And I stopped myself. Okay, it was a conscious decision. Because if I'd have done that, I think I'd have taken away some of the really good stuff that you actually say on your website about yourself, right? So I haven't done it. But what I want to start with is give you the opportunity to tell a bit bit more about yourself. So can you give us a bit more of a background into why you're doing what you are doing today, please? Yeah, so I have a background in organizational leadership now that, with a real focus on value alignment and job satisfaction, mm. uh, background in coaching, entrepreneurship, and did some time in healthcare. But I got to where I am today as a leadership coach working with executives, working with people that feel stuck, uh, working within organizations on leadership development and the engagement of employees, because I hit a point in my career where I felt stuck, where I felt underutilized, and where I started questioning, is this really where I want to be? And luckily, at that time, I had the awareness, at least to pause and reflect on where my strengths were, where I've really found passion and connection within my career and to look and ask myself like what challenges do i really want to face moving forwards instead of staying where i am for the next decade or even longer yeah. times and so i made that pivot i founded lfy consulting at the time based on the fact that i had a, a lot of personal experience and some professional experience in coaching which i thought were my strengths and a huge interest in becoming more of a researcher and a, a credible expert in this field the, the the coaching business itself was not actually the first choice. My first choice was the path of least resistance was to go to my boss and say, hey, this is what I'm really interested in. Can I do more of this work? Yeah. And there wasn't much pushback, surprisingly. So you think this is like the perfect situation. I'm in, I'm in a job. I'm underutilized. I feel stuck. I don't feel like my work has meaning. But I, I had a lot of autonomy, which was good. But mm. I also had a lot of ambiguity because my leaders weren't giving me any direction. It was very much a position 
that was created to retain me as talent, but not a position that was thought out in terms of, well, is this curated towards this person and are they doing work that they enjoy? So this seems like a solution. This seems like a way for me to fix the fact that I felt stuck, but then nothing really happened. Like I had some conversations about projects and leadership development, talent management, Um, you know, due to the fact we got acquired again, the people that I was working with lost their jobs due to the fact Mm -hmm. that we were just moving slow. So that just fell through. So there, there was an opportunity there for, for me never to have become more of an entrepreneur, for me to keep working for the same organization if the leadership was there to support me, if, if, if the options were there to help me craft my work you know, were available. And my next path was to go find another job in the field. But if, if you've ever tried to pivot into an area with no experience and don't have a guide to do that, it is incredibly difficult. You just sure. basically take things for face value and every job offer that I had was entry, entry level when I was an executive to get into this space and much less than what I was making at the time. And that didn't just seem reasonable. But, you know, I had two master degrees. I had seven years of work experience. I was selected for leadership training programs. I had like a bunch of different things. I'm like, I'm not going to take that big of a step back in my mind. So with my background in entrepreneurship and I've tried, you know, I, I started another com- a coaching company about five and a half years before that, which was doing OK. I started the kind of, I wrote a book. I, I did some stuff in entrepreneurship to give myself a background and a skill set in that yeah. field. I saw it as the path of least resistance after looking at those two options, but it wasn't the first option that I looked at. And so that's kind of like a high level, quick story of how I got to where I am today. Oh, wow. I'm tired. I mean, that's, that's so, that's so energetic and so much involved in the last seven years that you've just gone through. Ian. Yeah. No, it's awesome, and and I love the way you did. You you started off, I suppose, with that entrepreneur approach yeah. before then going to the outside world as well, which I think is yeah. re- is really really good. Yeah. And what, I, was the, what was the kind of reaction when you, when you initially said to your boss? What was the you know what was the uh, the, the sort of instant reaction when you when you sort of addressed that? My boss and I had a level of honesty that was kind of guarded. So we had like there was there was nothing in my personnel file other than I did all my work on time and it was all well done and people liked me. But there was nothing else. Right? And I think when you when you have a high achiever within a certain position and you're a leader and you have and like they're just doing enough to get by, but they're also doing it really positively and people like them, then, you know, they might be looking for a way out. And you, you need to take that as an opportunity to actually have real conversations with those employees to help them feel safe and help really get into, you know, what is the type of work they want to do? What is the meaning they feel behind the work and really get them ignited? And so when I went into the office, we usually would meet on a weekly basis if she didn't cancel the meetings, which happened a lot, which is another rule as a leader I would not do with your employees. If you have weekly meetings, keep them. Um, but she'd be like, so nothing, nothing in your file, you know, what's going on? And we would just talk and then she'd say, you know, you don't seem very enthusiastic or charismatic. Uh, is, is something up? Is something wrong? And, you know, so, so this, when I brought this to her, it, it seems, I think, like a, a, a thread of opportunity. So I think that's why she welcomed it. The problem is she didn't really try to push it forward. She didn't support it. There wasn't a lot of uh, hands-on assistance here and you know if i was were if i was like if you took get me in the time machine zoop it up get me in you know flashing lights go through the tunnel and you put me back in the seat in front of my boss during one of these moments i would 
I would have probably stayed with my organization and made it work because I was actually also the problem. It wasn't just my leader. Yeah. Me as an employee, I was expecting them to give me meaning. I was expecting them to give me the work that I wanted. I was I was expecting them to know exactly how to treat me and work with me. And because of that, you know, I became resentful, I became negative. And I also probably was the majority of the reason why I wasn't able to craft my work, even though it didn't work out ultimately. Ben, I think you've touched on a whole pile of things there. And one of the things I just want to highlight is the fact that you actually went out and you made that move, that actually you you did take control of the situation and you refused to just sit there and you did re-pivot. And for a lot of people that are probably listening to this that are sat in a job uh, that have been sat there for 10 years and maybe got another 30 years ahead of them before their retirement plan kicks in, um, people have got to ask themselves, why? What am I working for and why am I here? And what's interesting as well, the second point you made was that for leaders that don't keep those appointments every week, that actually don't have a valuable discussion with their employees and find out how they can help them, actually, that's going to drive the employee to go away and look at their options. So I, th- I think that, y- that you've embodied there two fantastic things about being an employee and being uh, a leader as well about taking control of your own destiny. So that's yeah. a great start. Thank you. Um, so I want to build on that, uh, Ben, then. And, and you, you obviously work with some leaders in different sectors, OK, uh, mm-hmm. different parts of the country. Who is your leadership role model and why? That is so tough, to be honest. And I, I don't have a a grand spotlit, you know, like huge person to say here. I I would have to honestly just put my dad in the mix. There's nothing wrong with that. I think think he's, you know, our programs decide who we become until we have the awareness to decide the programs we want. So, you know, if I look back on my youth, my father didn't like authority. He was very much his own boss all the time. He made things happen for himself he was an entrepreneur in a sense where because he didn't like working for anyone he had to be an entrepreneur perfect answer (laughs) yeah and and so you know i'd go with him to fix houses and everything from drywall to going into a basement that was flooded and pulling out sewage like we did everything like homeware like remodeling type of work and then he was a real estate agent for a bit so i you know and i sat there while he worked and it ingrained within me i think this this lack of conformity to the nine to five, which has yeah. been really influential to how I look at situations, yeah. which basically can be expanded to, I don't buy it. Like I don't buy the rules, the constraints, the boundaries that everybody sets, which this is how a leader is supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to work. And I think that's been really influential to where I am today. And I've had to work through this <laughs> with the, uh, dislike of authority right i've had to become very very i've had to work on my conflict management skills i'll say that i love it and <laughs> i love that's that. i've gotten to a good place there uh, but that's some that's of, a beautiful honesty yeah <laughs> so yeah. but in terms of, of looking at situations and saying that doesn't have to be the way it is like how do you want it to be is something that i i probably apply to to him and i, I thank him for it okay cool so building on that then so these leaders that you do work with okay what are the traits that you see in them, Ben, that actually you think, yes, that's what I look for in a leader? Top of mind curiosity. They're, nice. they're curious. They're, they're always curious. They're curious about themselves first. 
then they're curious about others. And curiosity is a really strong trait because it replaces judgment. Yeah. And if you can if you can prevent or build a little bit of time prior to judgment, judgment of an employee, judgment of a situation, uh, judgment in terms of I know the best answer. If you can mm-hmm. pause and create some space, and instead in that space put curiosity, you will you will build trust with your employees. You will create more, more creative, innovative solutions. You will be able to be more emotionally aware and have a higher level of emotional intelligence for yourself and the people around you. So first and foremost, curiosity before anything. And then curiosity tends to lead to this desire for clarity. And so a a leader is always looking to understand what is the goal of any situation? What is the purpose of any situation? And how do we stay on path towards that no matter what, despite emotions, despite situations? And then they also, they take they take that clarity and then they build processes and structure and specific goals and milestones and then can can connect that to a specific overall meaning in terms of why are we doing this what is the purpose of it and so yeah. those those are two main traits and i'll pause there That's, before i keep going but hopefully no, those I, I, i'm going to ask people to get in contact with you after the show and uh, and ask you to keep going because i think that's part of this that uh, hopefully Pete, you will have um, encouraged enough people there, there, there ben so the beautiful answer is i'm going to stick with curiosity i think that's a great discussion point i don't think any of our guests have actually listed that one before so uh yeah we, we, we could continue talking about that one but but let's just shift our focus because again when you and i spoke ben we we kind of had this five minute discussion that went on for half an hour right and uh we talked about all sorts of stuff and one of the things that we talked about and we we kind of had a, a, a sort of fellow moment there was about imposter syndrome and we talked about this yes. about the fact that you and i know what it is we we understand and, and ian we talk about this all the time don't we right oh and, so, so ben put this in context right um andy's a andy's a mentor for me on this as well right so um I was getting into social media a few years ago and I was like, well, I, I think I kind of get LinkedIn. LinkedIn kind of makes sense to me because I, I've met these people and I want to stay in connection and, you know, emails and noisy channel and LinkedIn sometimes I can get there easy with them. And I was looking at Twitter and I was going, I, I can't, who am I? Who am I to have this opinion? I feel like I'm bragging. Who, who am I to go out there and say this stuff? And, and who would be interested in that? And it is that, that that little. I was lucky enough to meet Jim Lawless. who was a guy who wrote uh, uh, Taming Tigers, and it's a great book. If you get a chance to, yeah, to read it. Yeah. And it's it's that voice in your head that says, "Well, you're not worthy. You're not the right person to be. Why are you doing this?" And it's it's a surprisingly can erode some of the things you should be doing and delay what you should be doing. So uh, I'm kind of over it now, I think. But uh, so, I so think ben, there's a lot of people that suffer from it. Let's continue where we left off, right? Then our conversation. Can you can you help us? Can you help the listeners just in a nutshell understand and understand this bit about imposter syndrome? Well, I think we can speak a little bit more on it theoretically, and then get into some actual strategies. The you know where do you feel like you're an imposter? And some people say, well, it's something that you haven't done very often. Well, some some people that are in the spotlight celebrities right famous famous actors huge leadership experts and gurus will tell you yeah i i doubt myself all the time the voice the voice is there it talks to me yeah. you're not good enough you're and if you look at people that are high achievers and strive for a lot maybe even have achieved a lot they they may be motivated by this you're not good enough voice mm-hmm. which is really dangerous because if you don't achieve certain things that can 
really become uh, impactful on your mental health and lead to some some serious issues. You know, I ask people, talk me through the moments that you feel like an imposter. And it usually usually happens when someone is, let's say, going to want to like create a podcast or they enter a networking event when people can meet each other in person and they, they think everyone's judging them or everyone's everyone's, you know, really making fun of them in a way. So they're stuck in their own head. Whenever someone is feeling like they're an imposter, it's because they're listening to the voices in their head that are telling them that they're an imposter. And those usually tend to stay there for a while, especially when it deals with things that are important to you. The more important you tend to feel something is, the more likely you're going to have voices that create doubt and, and activate the fear that's within you, the discomfort that's within you. And so when you're looking to actually deal with imposter syndrome, it's understanding first where you feel like an imposter and actually listening to the voices. Because very often we tend to push them away. We tend to avoid the fear. We tend to avoid the discomfort. And we don't actually try to understand why do I feel like an imposter? And where in my life do I feel like an imposter? And at the same time, why not throw some positivity in the mix and say, where do I feel like I'm a champion? Why do I feel like I'm just crushing it in life? And take Mm. a look at both situations and ask yourself, how did I get to this point? And then how did I get to this point? And just for just overall, for just a general level of awareness. Yeah. Because the next step. Yep. The next step is what you have to actually change the programs. You have to change the voice in your head, because right now you're listening to this person with the microphone that says you're not good enough. And so what you have to do is you have to initially take away the microphone and you have to start screaming back at it why you're good enough, the reasons why you're good enough. Because no matter what you do, if you just try to push past these voices, they're going to be there. And unless you reprogram them, reframe them and start believing other voices more, Mm -hmm. you're never going to actually get over it. So you literally have to write down your belief that that is holding you back where you feel like an imposter, rewrite it in a way that is more positive and self-serving, that you believe that is supported with evidence that you found from the introspection, from the activity of understanding where you're crushing it in life. And then tell yourself that three to four times a day. Is it's it's literally like that is that is something we have to do to start creating new programs in our mind that serve us, that support us, that champion us, because that doubt, that imposter is going to be there because there are going to be moments in your life where you are you have you've you've failed miserably, where you are feeling down where you're feeling sad, where you're feeling depressed just because emotions are a roller coaster. We can't control them. We just choose how we react to them. And so we have to get used to actually creating this voice in our head that's a greater champion, that's louder. And to do that, we do literally need to sit there and practice it each and every single day. Wow. There's a masterclass for everybody right there in imposter syndrome and some strategies to uh, to deal with it. Ben, that was brilliant. Thank you. I'm blushing. But I'd, I'd say it's really important to also accept the fact that you are going to have thoughts about yourself that are not positive. Mm. And it's your choice to how much credit you give those voices. Because you can feel something, you could feel sad and be like, you know, I don't really want to feel sad right now. Yeah. You could you could say that and then you can go put on a comedy show to, mm-hmm. or you can do something that you love to do. So you have a choice. There's always a choice. Like, yeah, you can feel something, but that doesn't dictate a decision. The feeling motivates a decision, but you always can say, I don't decide to do this, or I do decide to do this. 
Ben, I, I think it's phenomenal. And I really want people to reach out to you after that and go and ask some more questions about it because I want people to take the time to go and reflect and, and go and ask themselves some of those questions that you just posed and especially turn it into a really positive action. And that's what people often forget is at what point in, in the day uh, or, or the week or, or your life are you completely crushing it? And, uh, and and I think that that positive action people don't do enough of. Um, Ian, I think it brings us on to the next point really well, doesn't it? No, it does. No, it does. And I think it, it's brilliant feedback. So I think there's there's some fantastic practical things. So thank you, Ben, that you know all our listeners can take on that. Um, I wanted to bring it back into a bit more into that um, pointed part of the business realm about what, what you're seeing, because you're out there, you're talking to many, uh, you know, uh, junior leaders, middle tier leaders, C-suite leaders. What's... What do you think is causing them the, the biggest concerns at the moment? And, and what are some of the main factors behind those concerns? Well, internally, it's I'm not good enough and I'm not ready for this. That's probably top of mind. Yeah. Or is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? I think, but we're playing on the imposter syndrome, just conversation. Um, externally, it's usually like poisonous teams, like, you know, one bad apple here and there, or how do I build greater trust and buy-in for the initiatives that I'm trying to create? Those tend to be the greatest external factors. So usually team focused, and then also internally, it's, am I good enough? Am I ready for this? Yeah. yeah. Great, great couple of points there. I love the one about the poisonous team there. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that, that age old one of, am I good enough, uh, is still something that no matter what people what level people get to, it's still it's still apparent, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it becomes an issue because in certain industries, we tend to take people that have been in a role for a long period of time and then mm. promote them into a leadership position because they've been there for a long period of time. Yeah. And we focus and, and we do it without soft skill training. We do it without leadership training. Mm. And so we promote someone because they're good in one area and then expect them to be good in another area. But now we've also made them in charge of people. Yeah. And so then they don't feel good enough. And then the people below them tend to feel underserved and underutilized or sometimes very they feel like they're in a dictatorship. It's it's just such a such an interesting system when it comes to how we mold and and grow people within an organization. And some some places have this down pat. They're they're doing yeah. a great job at it. But, but it's the weird. majority it's, it's of the stories I hear that they're not. Yeah. What was it's that? It's a kind of failure of planning. It's a kind of failure of forward planning, isn't it? And you think, is that is that the, the is that them looking at their peers and seeing how they're behaving? Is it the education system? Is it is it the media? What's what creates that? persistent repetition that model because we I, I spent years as a consultant and saw it in businesses Andy's worked in HR for mm. I don't know how many years we, we, it's, it's such a common thing what we see but when we when you point it out and you see the results often you know it's wrong I, I just want to come back to, to to this great thing that you just talked about there about those soft skills and about that manager now being in charge of people Ben because uh, years ago I worked for a HRD so I'm going to tell the story okay and um they were promoted, they arrived, and uh, they were out of the depth from day one. This person was completely out of his depth. And 
And at one point, and I kid you not, okay, about three or four months into him being in this job and suffering and struggling every single day, he said to me, um, the sooner you leave, the better. You're a threat to me. She said the words to me. Okay, now, let me tell you, there was a guy that's just struggled with leadership from day one, and we put him in probably the most important people leadership job in the company. And and there you go, right? So if ever there was a guy that was dying on his feet every day of just more about more imposter syndrome, more capability than anything else, it was, it was that guy there. And I think that going back to your point about putting people in those jobs without the soft skills, Ben, companies, businesses, business leaders have a, have a complete responsibility to make sure that those people that they are putting in there, even if they have served a long time in that 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 sort of lower level job to simply get to that point, they've got to be right when they actually hit that leadership position, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And we are t- we're talking about organizations right now, and I, in an ideal world, you promote someone to a leadership position, and three months prior, they're in a training program, and six months into the leadership training program, you know, they, they and six months into the position, they have a training program, and then maybe a year later, they have a refresher, like yep. ideal world. But it's it's also the leader's issue, and this is where, where my take, which I really focus on right now, is self-leadership, and how do you develop the skills for people to be more empowered and take accountability for their own results and their own feelings? Because if I'm promoted into a leadership position, Right now, maybe I have 100 direct reports, and I've never done that before. The first thing I'm going to do is go find people that have 100 direct reports, and then I'm going to start and all, and, and read books about how to handle 100 yeah. direct reports yeah. and listen to podcasts about it. You know? So it's like, <laughs> and it's amazing how often I start working with clients, and they have these goals, and it's like, well, so what have you done so far to reach them? And people yeah. just yeah, freeze. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, why why don't we just do this for ourselves? Like if every person decided to say, these are my goals, this is how I'm going to go talk to people that have done it. I'm going to gain clarity on how to do it. I'm going to be confident in it because I can take, I can sustain anything. I can get a new job if this doesn't work out. I'm awesome. Yeah. I have all these successes and I'm going to intentionally live my life towards this. So instead of going to watch Netflix for five hours, I'm going to go read a book for an hour or I'm going to have a conversation yeah. with someone for an hour. And if we all did that, then we wouldn't have this issue within organizations because we all would be rock stars. Love it, love it, right. Ian. And I think that's a segue into. So I've, I've got a question here on that very subject, yeah. which is in, in your in your book you talk about, um, you know, coaching yourself, and 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 I think we've we've, we've absolutely started touching that. But just just for our listeners, just give us some sort of key framework about how you how you see that working well, the coaching of yourself. So there's so I created the live system when I founded Live for Yourself Consulting, which was basically a decision-making system to ensure that what you're doing in your life is aligned to who you are to create greater meaning, to create greater motivation, to create greater engagement. But I was realizing that people weren't able to use the system because they were lacking specific traits within themselves, certain core pillars. And those became the three C's of self-leadership. And I mentioned them. We have clarity, confidence, and control. So if there's something in my life that I want, and I'm I'm underconfident about it. It's 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 probably because I don't have great clarity around it. I don't know the meaning behind what what I truly you know is attached to what I truly want. I don't have processes in place or defined goals for steps and milestones for me to plan towards. I don't know what to do on a daily basis. I don't know what my priorities are. So if I get that, 
then that leads that builds greater confidence in the fact that I know what I'm doing. I have a plan. I, I don't buy into this doubt from other people and judgment from other people because I believe in myself and I know what I stand for, which then allows me to go study and do the things that I need to do to learn the hard skills and the soft skills. And then if I have control, so no matter how I feel any day, I'm intentionally living towards my goals and my priorities because they matter to me. And I look at my relationships and I ensure that my relationships align with that too. Then I can start making decisions that align with who I am because I have those three pillars. And then I can make sure that my goals, my intentions, my values, and my expectations and the environment around me all make sense and all align. And so I'd say for anyone that wants to start coaching themselves, the first thing you need to do is block off an hour of your time every single day and use that time to ensure that you have clarity, that you understand the meaning behind what you're doing. And then you try to figure out next steps. They don't have to be perfect. But you have to have at least some semblance of an idea of what you're working towards and why you're working towards it. And that space, that extra hour per day is so important because most of the people I work with that can't coach themselves are so stuck in their work, are so mm. stuck in 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 this ambiguity in, in in doing things they're so busy or they think they're so busy because if you look at their time they're actually not that busy they <laughs> they they need to take a step back to build that awareness they just create that ability for them to listen to themselves a little bit more in a more real space yeah uh, I, it's that it's that age-old uh, challenge isn't it of can you create an hour for yourself and the answer is always no i'm too busy well I'm, that never washes with me, right? The, the, the minute that somebody says that, then you, you know that there's a problem there as well. Um, so I love what you're saying. I, th- I think that the coaching yourself is is really critical. And in your podcast, you went on to talk about uh, change within an organisation, and you were focusing on respect and engagement. And I wondered if you can explain how leaders can move to that more inclusive and respectful change approach that that again is required because for some. They see it just as a transactional thing. Today we're doing this, tomorrow we're doing that. But it's more than that, isn't it? Oh, I, I would love for leadership to be redefined. And maybe it is more so than not as humanistic leadership. Mm. I was leading a corporate workshop once and someone stopped and a senior executive, because I was, I was going through the team model of managing to motivate, which I'll dive into a little bit right now. And he just says, wow, this is a little, this is a little touchy-feely. And initially I thought he was, it was a negative statement, but then he like started laughing. He said, like, I've never thought of leadership like this before. Right. And it makes sense. Like I I get it. And going back to this idea of space, leaders that tend to forget about the soft skills and the human and the human touch usually are inundated with meetings and reports and timesheets and billing. And it's, they don't have space to think about it. They don't have space to ask themselves, how do you, how are my employees feeling today? What are my, what, what are my employees working on today? And, and how is that making them feel? What, what are their goals and how, how is it what they're working on right now aligns with that? What, what might I need to talk to them about this week to ensure that they, they continue making progress and are engaged. And like, they don't have the space because they're yeah, in a exactly. meeting and then they're in a meeting and then they're in that's a meeting. It. And it's, do you think that's like, you think they're too task and function orientated? They just got I, this, the goal, the function piece. So there's, yeah. So basically I'm making an assumption, but I'd say that if there was an opportunity for leaders to give themselves a little bit more time to reflect on their, on their employees would be incredibly helpful giving you know ending meetings 
15 minutes prior to the hour and saying, this is your time, go reflect. Or mm -hmm. don't have don't have meetings eight to nine in the morning and allowing leaders to say, this is your time to plan and reflect. And just to have these, these dead zones where this is your time. We're not yeah. gonna schedule anything, we're gonna protect it. And then you can start talking about, you know, an actual system, so which is the team model of managing to motivate, which is what I found to be pretty effective in creating an environment that motivates and engages employees. And we can, if we have some time, I'd love to quickly go over that. Yeah, well, let's talk about it now. Let's do it. Tell us more about the team model. Yeah, so the initially I try to, whenever I give this workshop, I focus a decent amount of time helping leaders reframe their responsibility as a leader. Mm -hmm. as your job isn't to change the emotion or be responsible for the emotion of your employees. It is to create an environment that is molded to them individually and is, is best suited to create greater levels of motivation with them. So for example, like if I'm sitting in a burning building, I'm probably not going to be very happy. But if I'm sitting in a building with soccer balls and workout equipment yeah. and leadership books, I'm going to be really happy. So it's, are you creating an environment that is, that is, that is literally focused on each individual needs of your employees? And to do that, there are a few different things you need to, to, to talk about with your employees as well as think about. Initially, the team model of managing to motivate starts with trust. And a build trust with your employees requires that you don't just tell them what to do. You actually have conversations with them. So you don't have one, one level, one line of communication with them that is very dictatorship. Yeah. You also have a very well-rounded um, kind of relationship with them. For I, I'd say for every time you tell them to do something, every time you check on something, you should at least have two or three moments where you're actually just talking to them and hearing them and listening to them. Now, there's a lot of other ways to build trust and through honesty and openness and different policies and such. But let's just say that this entire structure depends on having trust with your employees. And part of that also, especially with bad, bad employees, bad unquote employees, <laughs> is letting go of previous judgments, wiping the slate clean and being the bigger person. And very often we don't we don't do that. Uh, within the workplace and, and you know employees towards leaders we don't do that and leaders to employees they don't do that uh, but very quickly so the e stands for the environment which which encompasses what are the issues they have with clients if they're client facing and do they feel empowered uh, to solve them themselves do you ask them for help instead of telling them what to do do you know what the issues that they are and do you discuss it with them it's also the resources around them so what is, do they have a pen if they need it? If they work from home, do they have a nice do they have a nice lighting setup, a video camera, a good internet connection? Do they feel like they actually the technology? Do they feel like they actually have all the resources they need to complete their their role and their work? Yeah. And have you asked them that? Have you worked with them? Have you have you engaged them in, in that capacity? And then also who do they work with? So who are they working with on a daily basis? Do they do those people empower them or drain them? And you need to know this information so you can adjust who works with who, as well as mediate conflict as the leader. The A stands for the actual work. Do you know what work the employee, the employees that, that are under you actually enjoy doing and what they don't enjoy doing? And can you adjust the work? Can you delegate it? Can you focus more in certain areas to ensure that the person is working on things that they enjoy? And when they're working on things that they don't enjoy, when you know it's an arduous task, are you pinging them and being like, hey, I just want to let you know, I really appreciate your work on this project and this, you know, this area. It's really helpful to the organization. It was awesome. Thank you. Are you giving them positive reinforcement for something negative if they have to work on it? And then M, meeting. What do they truly love about their work? What brought them to get the degree that led them to the field that they're in? 
what do they care? Why do they care about the work they're doing? And if they can't see it, can you highlight the meaning behind the work that they're doing yourself? So can you have conversations with them just overall about what you care about? What brought you to the role that you're in, the organization, what the organization is doing? And can you and then turn that and say, well, what brings you here? What do you care about? And if you take these different pillars and incorporate them into your weekly meetings and maybe have a file on each individual employee and, and what they care about, what they're working on the, in the environment, different trust, uh, different trust uh, aspects like and you remember because logs are important because our minds aren't very good. We'll forget that this person had a birthday two weeks from now or their their husband, you know, just had uh, a surgery and we need to check in on them. Like keep notes if we just keep notes, keep a log in these areas, I promise you the environment for each employee will be improved, they'll be more engaged, and they'll have higher levels of productivity, higher levels of retention for the people that you want, and you will be happier because things will be easier for you as a leader. Well, we're, Ben, again, really good. yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, we're a big fan of check-ins, right? We passionately believe in check-ins with people and having those conversations to to discuss those elements of, of the team model that you've just gone through. That's exactly what a check-in is for. Uh, I've got to ask um, the team model, Ben, where can people find that, that you've just so eloquently described? Is that on your website or in a book? I wrote an article on it on LinkedIn, actually. So we, we can include it in the show notes or uh, if someone wants to reach out to me, I can send it over to them. Yeah, we're definitely going to involve it in the show notes now. That That's really exciting. Um, that's cool. Thank you. Ben, one from me kind of leading on from that. Uh, it, what advice would you give to people that are, you know, they're striving to lead their own business? They're a new entrepreneur. What would be your kind of top tips for those people? Mm-hmm. Are we thinking about solopreneurs or are we thinking about teams? Uh, a solo to start with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as they build that business. Yeah. I'd say first off, set expectations for yourself that are realistic. We compare, usually entrepreneurs compare themselves to others that have already made it and we don't see their failures. We don't see that, you know, I won't name any names, but a lot of the major gurus right now out there in professional development or personal development had a ton of failures, didn't become successful until they were maybe 40 or above mm-hmm. and when they be, when they became successful they sold their business made millions of dollars and then now can do whatever they want so things seem yeah. rather pretty easy so it's like we don't we don't follow that trail of, of i failed five or six times i did something right i sold a business i made a lot of money but now i'm showing you the life where i already have a lot of money i'm not showing you the life where i struggled to yeah. create that successful business i'm not showing you the life where i failed a bunch of times and so if you if you really love somebody and you think they're a great role model, try to reach out to them, try to have a conversation with them, or just try to understand their backstory a little bit more, because the greatest the greatest cause of doubt for entrepreneurs, and if you doubt yourself, you won't take action. The greatest cause of doubt is having this this goal in mind, this milestone, this mountaintop of where you want to be, and then looking down and all you see is a chasm. You see this huge void between where you are and where you want to go, and yeah. so that causes fear, causes like a doubt. It ca- you know it it prevents you from taking action. It causes procrastination, and so what we need to do is fill in that chasm. We need to create that clarity that I was talking about before, and like little steps along the way, and so setting the expectation that like okay, this is going to be a long journey. It's going to be three to five years at least, at least. And I'm going to make sure that just like when you're hiking to that mountaintop, I have all the tools that I need on my, on my pack. 
Maybe I have some friends along with me to help me out or some mentors, some guides. And I I understand that like I, I have to take breaks. I'm going to have this milestone here, have this milestone here, have this rest stop there. And I'm going to have food along the way to take care of myself because yeah, exactly. it is going the to basics. be a journey. Yeah. So it's it's very much keeping that in mind. I say that would be the number one thing I'd say to entrepreneurs today. Great advice. Thank you. I love that. Leadership is a journey, right? And it, it doesn't stop uh, from the moment you take that first step. It's, it is a journey. It's twists, turns, it's ups, downs. And you're right. It's about, uh, yeah, nourishing yourself along the way. And I think that whole coaching thing that people miss out on is part of that nourishment that they should be getting. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with that, uh, Ben. And again, you've obviously worked with, with a lot of people uh, around the country, um, influencing them for their leadership styles. But what's your leadership legacy going to be? I hope to create a world of self-leaders. We've hinted at it. It's I wish everyone is empowered enough to do the things that they love to do and feel confident enough to actually do them and take action and be OK with with failure, which I will call we'll call progress for right now and yeah. be OK with progress because it's just a journey. I'd love to create a world of self leaders that believe that the most important leader is not the person that's above them, but the person that's within them. And if we do that, I think we can create a lot of change. Fantastic. Fantastic, Ben. I, you, you just embodied the, uh, the the podcast and the aims of the podcast because, uh, as we said to you before you came on, that we we wanted to invite you on because the the passion that me and Ian and our other uh, podcast hosts have is about actually helping leaders in all leadership positions within the business. It's not just about the CEO, and especially those leaders that possibly don't regard themselves as leaders, but actually that given their attitude given their outcomes given the way that they look after people around them actually totally are leaders uh, so uh, yeah I'm, I'm with you ben i hope that between us all and between this podcast we can help some of those people a bit more as well so yeah so uh, ben we love this next section okay because we always get something out of it and i want to ask you what are the resources that you want to lead our li- listeners with please so first off please reach out to me on linkedin Send me a message, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. I will respond. We'll have a conversation. I'll send you some links to maybe some virtual events, um, some content that I have, YouTube videos and such like that. Uh, But if you want to actually learn more about services, just go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com and the pop-up will come up and say, do you want to download your free ebook? I have a career ebook out there to help you answer some questions and figuring out what's next in your career. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's brilliant. And I promise that uh, all of those links will be on the show notes, uh, Ben. Everybody can reach out to you. And I just endorse that. Me, me and Ben uh, connected. Ben reached out to me and said, hey, can we talk? And uh, we just had a fantastic conversation. As I say, it was five minutes that turned into 30. So uh, please do that. Please go and talk to Ben. And hopefully you can learn a bit more about some of that amazing content that he's talked about, especially around imposter syndrome and uh, and others about actually just being the leader that, that you can be so ben thank you for your time we're going to wrap up there because we're right at the top of our hour but yeah, uh, yeah thank, thank you thank, thank you very much great insight so thank you so much yeah i love i love conversations like this with individuals that have such like missions that are so aligned I, thank you so much for doing what you do both of you but it just it energizes me it like soups me up i feel like i have a cape on right now i'm about to go fly around and save some lives or something 
<laughs> that's the spirit. Go do it, mate. Go do it. Hey, listen, thanks very much, Ben. Thanks, Ian. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Please go and have a look at the show notes. Consume all of that stuff. Please link in with, uh, with Ben. And uh, thanks for listening to uh, Leadership, the Future and Tea. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership, the Future and Tea. Please take time to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. You can also leave us a comment with topics you would like to hear in the upcoming episodes. Thank you.